You're listening to the Anchor Faith Church Message Podcast with our senior pastor, Earl Glisson. Enjoy the message. All right. The Lord is good. Now, 2 Peter chapter 2. All right. We're going to pray, but in order to pray, I need, I need you to understand what we're going to be praying about. And again, the goal is, is to kind of get us in a context that's moving us towards some end time conversation so that we can, and I encourage you, go ahead and start reading that book because I'll pull things and excerpts from it, Um, but I want to keep you informed because a lot's happening in our world today, and we don't want to be people caught off guard or more more importantly, led astray. All right? We don't want to be led astray. So 2 Peter chapter 2, starting, or 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read out the Passion Translation tonight. All right? And um, we've got a little bit to read. In fact, we're going to read the whole book. All right? Read the whole book. And then we're going to read another passage of Scripture, and then we're going to pray. All right? It says this. This letter is from Simon Peter, a loving servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to those who have been given a faith as equally precious as ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and perfect peace cascade over you as you live in the rich knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by his divine power. Can I get an amen? Amen. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. As a result of this, he has given you you magnificent promises that are beyond all price so that through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are in the world. Wow. Isn't that amazing? He says, so devote yourself to lavishly supplementing your faith with goodness and to goodness add understanding and to understanding add the strength of self Control and to self-control add patient endurance and to patient endurance add godliness and to godliness add mercy towards your brothers and sisters and to mercy towards others add unending love. Since these virtues are already planted deep within you, they're already there. We just got to cultivate them, Right? They're already deep within you, and you possess them in abundant supply. They will keep you from being inactive or fruitless in your pursuit of knowing Jesus Christ more intimately. But if anyone lacks these, he is blind, constantly closing his eyes to the mysteries of our faith and forgetting his innocence, for his past sins have been washed away. Aren't you glad your past sins have been washed away? For this reason, beloved ones, be eager to confirm and validate that God has invited you to salvation and claimed you as his own. If you do these things, you will never stumble. Aren't you glad about that? He's given you a way that you cannot stumble. Praise the Lord. As a result, the kingdom's gates will open wide to you as God's choreographs, as God choreographs your triumphant entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Messiah. Woo! Man, that's good news. 
Verse 12, I, don't hesit I won't hesitate to continually remind you of these truths, even though you are aware of them and are well established in the present measure of truth you have already embraced, meaning you've embraced a truth now. Is there more we can learn? We're always learning, guys. We're always learning. And as long as I live, I will continue to awaken you with this reminder. Since our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has clearly revealed that my departure is near, indeed, I'm passionate to share these things with you so that you will always remember them after my exodus from this life. We were not retelling some masterfully crafted legend when we informed you of the power and appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we saw his magnificent and splendor unveiled before our very eyes. Yes, Father God lavished upon him radiant glory and honor when his distant voice spoke out of the realm of majestic glory, endorsing him with these words, this is my cherished son marked by my love. All my delight is found in him. And we ourselves heard that voice resound from the heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. Remember when they went up to the mountain? Okay. And so we have been given the prophetic word, the written message of the prophets, made more reliable and fully validated by the confirming voice of God on the Mount of Transfiguration. And you will continue to do well if you stay focused on it. For these prophetic message, for this prophetic message is like a piercing light shining in a glooming place until the dawning of a new day when the morning star rises in your heart. You must understand this at the uh, at the uh, outset. Interpretations of scriptural prophecy requires the Holy Spirit, for it does not originate from someone's own imagination. No true prophecy comes from human initiative, but is inspired by the moving of the Holy Spirit upon those who spoke the message that God came from God. So he's building a foundation, reminding us of who we are in Christ, all the things that are afforded to us, and that we need to keep our focus on it. And that the things we know about God, the things that they testify by personally seeing and are, are communicating that the scriptures was inspired by God as the Holy Spirit moved on the prophets, they are profitable for us and that we are to live by them and keep our focus in them. Chapter 2. Then he says, in, time, in the past there arose false prophets among God's people, just as there will continue to be false teachers who will secretly infiltrate in your midst to divide you, bringing, them, bringing with them their destructive heresies. They will even deny the master who paid the price for them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will uh, follow immoral lifestyles, because of these corrupt false teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. Talking about end times now. We're getting ready to pray. So he's letting us know what we should stay focused on because there's, as in times past, people have tried to take the word and change it. It's going to happen in the future. All right? He says, they are not only out for themselves, ready to exploit you for their own gain uh, through their cunning arguments. Their condemnation has been, um, has been a long time coming, but their destruction does not slumber or sit idly by, for it is sure to come. Now, don't forget, God had no pity for the angels when they sinned, but threw them into the lowest, darkest dungeon of gloom and locked them in chains where they are firmly held until the judgment of torment. 
That's happening right now. And he did not spare the former world in the days of Noah when he sent a flood to destroy a depraved world, although he protected Noah and the, the preacher of righteousness along with the seven members of his family. And don't forget that he reduced to ashes the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, condemning them to ruin and destruction. God appointed them to be examples as to what is coming to the ungodly. Verse 7, yet he rescued a righteous man, Lot, suffering the indignity of the unbridled lust of the what? Of the lawless. For righteous Lot lived among them day after day, distressed in his righteous soul by the, uh, the rebellious deeds he saw and heard. If the Lord Yahweh rescued Lot, he knows how to continually rescue the godly from their trials and to reserve the ungodly for punishment on the day of judgment. Amen. Doesn't matter how bad it gets. Don't matter how bad your neighborhood goes. God can deliver the righteous. So you need to maintain the responsibility of staying in righteousness. Okay. He goes on and says, and this, is, and this especially applies to those who live their lives despising authorities and who abandon themselves to chasing the depraved lust of their flesh. They are, they are willing, willfully arrogant and insolent, unafraid to insult the glorious ones. Yet even angels who are greater than they in power and strength do not dare slander them before the Lord. These individuals are nothing but brute beasts, irrational creatures, born in the wild to be caught and destroyed, and they will perish like beasts. They are professional in, um, insulters who slander whatever they don't understand, and in their destruction they will be destroyed. For all the evil they have done will come crashing down on them. They consider it their great pleasure to carouse in broad daylight when they come to your love feast, but they are stains and blemishes, reviling in their decept uh, deceptions as they feast with you. They are addicted to adultery. Their eyes are insatiable. With sin that never end. They seduce the vulnerable and are experts in their greed. They are but children of a curse. They have wandered off the main road and have gone astray because they are prophets who love profit. The wages they earn are wrongdoing. They are following the example of Balaam, the son of Beor, um, who was rebuked for evil by a donkey incapable of speech, yet... That spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These people are dried up riverbeds, waterless clouds pushed along by stormy winds. The deepest darkness of gloom has been prepared for them. They spout off with their grandiose, grandiose uh, impressive nonsense. Consumed with the lust of the flesh, they lure back and descend those who recently escaped from their error. They promise others freedom, yet they themselves are slaves to corruption, for people are slaves to whatever overcomes them. Those who escape the corrupting forces of this world system through the experience of knowing about our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Messiah, then go back into uh, entanglement with them and are defeated by them, becoming worse off than they were to start with. It would have been much better 
for them never to have experienced the way of righteousness than to know it and then turn away from the sacred obligation that was given to them. They become illustrations of the true proverb, a dog will return to his own vomit and a washed pig to its rolling in the mud. Second Peter chapter 3. So we see there's going to be some individuals out there, groups of people that are going to be hindering the way of truth in these last days. Chapter 3, beloved friends, this is now the second letter I have written to you in which I've attempted to stir you up and awaken you to a proper mindset. I'm trying to awaken you to a proper mindset. So never forget both the the prophecy spoken by the holy prophets of old and the teaching of our Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, mockers will multiply, chasing after their what? Evil desires. Their what? Evil desires. You know, there's evil in the earth. I said there's evil in the earth. You know, sometimes I hear people say, well, you know, all humanity is, you know, I believe is good. Well, that's not scriptural. The Lord says in the word, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God says all men are evil. So when people say, well, I really think everybody's got good in them. No. They all have evil. And unless they repent, become born again, and become like God, through the belief that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave, I don't care what good it looks like, it's evil. So we need to understand that when we see people, see actions, that evil is a word that's used in the Bible. And you're not running somebody down. You recognize it for what it is. I was evil. Lost in my trespasses and sin, but God, being rich in his mercy, died for me, and that nine years old on June, in June 1979, I went down in front of a Baptist church in Archer and asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Now, I didn't have revelation of that till I got a little bit older, what that meant, and I made him, you know, I, I followed his lordship continually since I was 21 years old. Uh, but I'm saying to you that um, I was not born good. I chose evil. And my mom's here to testify. I disobeyed. And disobedient to parents is punishable and rebellion against the kingdom. And probably everybody in this room's done something that your mama and your daddy told you not to do. Are you with me? That's called evil, not cute. Hallelujah. All right. You'll understand why I'm harping on this in a minute. Let's go on. Uh, what verse was I in? Verse 4, thank you. Now, verse 5. But then conveniently overlook... Uh, let me go to verse 4, yes. Multiplying mockers, you know, last days mockers were multiplied, chasing after their desires. They will say, so what about his promise of his coming? Our ancestors are dead and buried, yet everything is still the same as it uh, was since from the beginning of time until now. 
But they conveniently overlook that from the beginning, the heavens and the earth were created by God's word. He spoke and the dry ground separated from the waters. Then long after... Words, he destroyed the world with a tremendous flood uh, by those very waters. And now, by the same powerful word, the heavens and the earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the judgment day, uh, when all the ungodly will perish. So, dear friends, don't let this one thing escape your notice. Um, a single day counts like a thousand years to the Lord Yahweh, and a thousand year counts as one day. This means that contrary to man's uh, perspective, the Lord is not late with his promise to return. Some, as some measure lateness, but rather his delay simply reveals his loving patience towards you because he does not want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. The day of the Lord will come and take everybody by surprise as unexpected as a home invasion. The atmosphere will be set on fire and vanquish with a horrific roar, and the heavenly bodies will melt away in a tremendous blaze. The earth and, and every activity of man will be laid bare. Since all these things are on the verge of being dismantled, don't you see how vital it is to live a holy life? Go ahead and look at your neighbor and say, I live a holy life. We must be consumed with godliness. We must be consumed with it. While we anticipate and help to speed up the coming of the day of God, when the atmosphere will be set on fire and the heavenly bodies consumed in a blaze, but as we wait, we trust in God's royal proclamation to be fulfilled. There are coming he heavens new in quality and an earth new in quality where righteousness will be fully at home. So, my beloved friends, with all that you have to look forward to, may you be eager to be found living pure lives when you come into his presence without blemish and filled with peace. And keep in mind that our God's extraordinary patience simply means more opportunity for salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him, he consistently speaks of these things in all of his letters, even though he writes some concepts that are overwhelming to our understanding, which the unlearned and unstable love to twist into spiritual ruin as they do the other scripture. As for you, divinely loved ones, since you are forewarned of these things, be careful that you are not led astray by the error of the lawless and lose your firm grip on the truth. I'm going to read that again. As for you, divinely loved ones, since you are forewarned of these things, be careful that you are not led astray by the error of the lawless and lose your gr firm grip on the truth. But continue to grow and increase in God's grace and intimacy with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May he... Receive all the glory both now and until day eternity begins. Amen. Amen. With that being said, Matthew chapter 5 verse 10 says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And later on in that same patches of scripture, um, chapter 5 of Matthew, but down in verse 44, it says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
so that you may be the sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do, you not, do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only the, uh, your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Don't even... The Gentiles do the same. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Verse 44 said, but love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. There is evil in the world, and the only one who is good is those who are born of the Spirit of God because God is the only one who is good. And so when we see in these last days things that are happening, it's not our position to get angry with them. It's our position to pray. As we see the signs of the return of Jesus, we should be more diligent in prayer. I told uh, the staff um, here at Anchor Faith Church on Monday as we were discussing this book that I've uh, passed out to you. Um, I said, you know, a lot of things are happening in the world, but... And we are to do natural things. Right? Uh, Jesus lets us know with the Good Samaritan that if, if somebody's in need, you should help them. That doesn't mean you just pray for them and pass on. You should physically do something. But I'm concerned that we've moved to just trying to physically do stuff and not prayerfully do things. Because there are things that only God can do, and he's authorized to do them through us because he's given us the assignment to pray. Now, you could be of the persuasion God do whatever he wants to do. It's not true. Because Jesus didn't do anything but what the Father said, and he learned that when he prayed. So prayer, it was the communion between Jesus the Son to God the Father to find out what Dad even wanted to do on the earth, and until he found out, it didn't even happen. Because God has given the earth to men, it's in the covenant with Jesus, and God wants to do some things, and he's doing it through us as we pray. That's why I said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on. How do we do? When you pray. So if we want to bring what God wants to do here. Now, can God do things we can't? Yes, he can send angels. He can do things that we can't do, but he'll never send them if we don't beseech him to do so. And if there's ever been a time for us to pray, because we all, there's probably no one in the room that would have this thought, something's going on with the election. I don't care which side you want to be on. Something's going on with the election. Something's trying to hinder something. Well, God can step in so that no weapon formed against the church can prosper. But he's not going to step in unless we authorize it. And we pray not because we're like, Lord, get rid of these people. We're praying so that God would be able to do something to get the individuals to change. Now, with that being said, if they want to persist in the stubbornness of their own will, then, Lord, you need to deal with that. And that may be a removal. Because we saw here in 2 Peter, some's for quick destruction. 
And it's not because God wanted it. It's because their decision-making brought it upon them. But your prayer life will bring a result to it. Now, you can stand in the gap for somebody for so long till the Lord said, don't pray to me about them anymore. And if you're over in 1 John, you'll find out there are some of those prayers. All right? But tonight, we want to pray because there's evil in the earth. We want to pray that good will prevail. We want to bind things that would hinder our nation from coming together. Because there's a lot of voices out there that says we can't do it. But the church does it all the time for those who love Jesus and do not regard man according to the flesh. But know that we're jointed and fitted together. So let's make power available that our nation can begin to see what churches, not all churches, but the, this church and there are others are doing to where we come together and we love each other with a God kind of love. We take care of each other with a God kind of love. We support each other with a God kind of love that they'll say, I want what they have. Amen. So rise to your feet and let's pray. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. 